0: Wait a minute I love that idea how about some backstage
1: passes oh oh yeah Bay number three reports successful
0: deminiaturization of probe foxtrot 817. Ladies and gentlemen, we're returning to Earth immediately. Be prepared for another space jump. WDW Radio, your information station. Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 288 for the week of August 19th, 2012. This week, we're going to explore Epcot and uncover some of the hidden treasures of Future World. From overlooked experiences to story, details, trivia, opportunities, and more, we peel back some of the layers of the onion to help enhance your enjoyment and appreciation of the park. Answer this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week for your chance to win a Disney prize package, and be sure to stay tuned for other announcements, so sit back relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. continually talk about Walt Disney World in terms of layers of the onion and what I mean by that is on its most basic layer Walt Disney World is about families and friends getting together at the parks to enjoy the attractions and the shows and the dining just very much on their face for for what they are but I think as you start to peel back some of those layers you will discover more details stories tributes meaning and opportunities to enjoy and yes, dare I say, even learn in the process. And so within Walt Disney World are countless examples of some of those things that you may overlook, which I like to call and consider hidden treasures. I think that they're meant to be sought out and discovered and enjoyed, and in our case, even discussed. So this week, I wanna point out just a few of the many hidden treasures that you can find in Epcot's future world. And so joining me once again, is a man whose music library is, much like mine, replete with Epcot Center medleys, and whose camera roll contains many of the same photos of pavement, ceilings, tiles, fountains, and many more things that don't include the human beings that we're sharing them with. He is, of course, Ryan Wilson from the Main Street Gazette. Ryan, welcome back, buddy. It's good to be
1: back, and we keep getting in trouble for all those non-people pictures.
0: One of these days, we're actually gonna go to the parks with our families and take pictures of and with them because that listen that's the basic layer of the onion right that's how we're supposed to be enjoying walt disney world but you know we you are very much like me when we go we do like still going to find and discover look we've been hundreds of times but i think this this love and fascination that we both share with the details makes us kindred spirits and that makes our experiences in the parks one of continuing
1: sort of discovery seeking out new discoveries no, absolutely, and it, it's always an exploration. It's always, was that there before? Was it not there before? Was it a different color? Was, it, and, and that's even, you know, that's getting down to the nitty-gritty, but it is, it's all these pavements, all these things, and are, it, we have two very similar wires in that they both are like, hey, we're up here, point the camera towards your children, point the camera towards us, we want to remember this later. They're also both destined for
0: stain, sainthood, so At, they absolutely. That going for? <laughs> Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: um, and, you know, when we talk about things like, hidden treasures and it's a a term I use quite often when I talk about Walt Disney World I think that trying to decide what qualifies as a hidden treasure are things that maybe we've discovered over time or maybe things that have actually been pointed out to us which is part of the reason why I like kind of paying these forward, sharing these with other people letting them enjoy the adventure of seeking them out and eventually sharing them with others. I want to talk to them about it I want to point them in the direction but I also want them to have the enjoyment of the search and discovery
1: of them as well, too. Yeah, definitely, and it's one of those things where I do like to when I find anything, I'm showing them to me you or know, my wife or my dad or whoever's with me, and then I see other people stopping to look at them and they're talking about them and you know, and just passing it on, and you hear everyone else, and you're like, oh, good, this is you know going to get shared. And you know, we didn't talk about
0: this ahead of time. We just sort of floated out the idea of these hidden treasures. In Future World. And, you know, I think we we talked maybe in the past about some in World Showcase and other places around the parks as well, too. And I will tell you that when I was putting together the list, I sort of just did a brain dump of the things that came to me first, Uh, the things that sort of resonated with me first when I thought about a hidden treasure. But I specifically did not maybe include many things, either the attractions per se or maybe even things inside attractions per se, because I think the attraction itself is The top layer of the onion, yes, inside the attractions, there are many hidden treasures. And I'll mention one or two of some of those details and tributes that you could seek out. And I also, too, uh, kind of avoided, for the most part, many of the holidays and special events that take place uh, throughout the year in Epcot. Like flower and garden, food and wine, specifically the the holidays, too. Uh, because there's a totally different set of overlooked experiences there because they do add so many more layers to the onion on.
1: You're absolutely right. And that's a totally different show for another time. But like you, I was trying to put together things, and I did a mental walkthrough of you know the park so sitting here in North Carolina, but I really tried not to go into the attractions in my you know mental walkthrough and my checklist of you know what what do I look like? you know what do I look for when I'm wandering around? And so that was kind of the list I threw together as I, as, you know, as the week went on, trying to think of all these little elements that I love so much.
0: And I think, and I'm, and I'm curious to hear things on your list because a lot of mine are maybe not necessarily things that you will find on a map or find, <clears throat> excuse me, even in a guide that will bring you to them. You have to almost stumble upon them or seek them out yourselves as well too. I, I want people to put the maps down I want them to wander as opposed to rushing from attraction to attraction and trying to just cram in as many rides and shows and of course meals as they can And and look I completely understand limited time that you have in the parks during your vacation but you can still do and experience and enjoy these things while you're doing that it's just a matter of making sure you take the time to look up and around so why don't you go first I'm curious to hear in no particular
1: order which is the first one you have on your list. In no particular order, and I did the same thing. I was kind of, I kind of want everyone to slow down and really see these things. Um, but one of the first things that came to mind is, as you're making your way past Spaceship Earth and you're getting ready to turn towards Future World West and the land and thorn and imagination, are the lights in the pavement uh, and just a little courtyard, the the light filaments that come up and and you can't really see them during the day, but at night it's a really interesting thing. And I think most people just walk straight through that courtyard on their way out the door and never miss and never see these like really great little interactive lights on the ground.
0: Yeah, and th- so this is one of those things that I sort of grouped into something I called the simple pleasure in, mm-hmm. in Future World. Um, there's that and there's a few other ones that I had sort of put in there as well that I'll touch on later, but you're right because the the fiber optic lights, uh, this relatively simple technology that was installed I think around 94, 95 somewhere around there. Yes. Is one of those things that for most guests they literally they stumble upon as they're walking out after illuminations and walking back to their parking their their car in the parking lot past future world they look down and these lights literally seem to come to life and they dance and they change color and the bottlenecks that ensue are actually wonderful because you see and you hear the fascination on the, the from the voices of kids and adults as well too of this, like I said, relatively simple use of technology just embedded in the pavement.
1: It's really great when I see, you know, a small child, a three- or four-year-old, on their hands, and the ground. they're trying to grab the lights, it's like a firefly to them, they're just, they're reaching, they're grabbing, you know, and it's always really great for me to see when somebody is actually sitting in one of those benches there because they know about this spot, and yeah, they're just, they're taking a moment to relax, reflect on the day, and just this little show going on in front of them, and you know, these four or five little tile panels, uh, just, yeah, it's one of those great little spots. Except if you're a parent, right, because now all of a sudden you (laughs) become a disappointment to your
0: kids because every child goes, oh, my God, Dad, I want this in our backyard, like this. And my backyard goes Disney. Every kid wants it and we as parents can't necessarily deliver. But, you know, my kids keep saying, oh, can we have this in our backyard? I said, well, we need to get a backyard first and then we'll worry about the fiber optic in the pavement.
1: I was going to say, this is an HGTV kind of a thing. They need to to bring it in and, and do this for someone at some point. So, but yeah, I, I
0: think that uh, I think that's a perfect example of one of those things because you cannot find it on a map. You're not necessarily going to plan it into your schedule, but when you stumble across it, I think it's a great discovery.
1: Absolutely. So, so that's my first one. So let's
0: hear what you have. So I, I sort of put mine into categories or uh, under different umbrellas. And one of the things I love, not just in Epcot, but in all the theme parks, and, I, and this may sound odd is water. I love the water features, right? Whether it's a simple fountain. Look, part of the, the expansion of the new Fantasyland that I'm looking forward to most is not necessarily the attractions and, and, yes, be our guest restaurant, but it's the flowing river and the five waterfalls and the kinetic element that they bring in, the coolness, the the motion, the noise, the sound of the water rushing uh, and, and what it adds. It adds layer and adds dimension for me. And I think in... Epcot Center and Epcot Future World. There are a lot of great examples of maybe some overlooked experiences, attractions, uh, some of which are that are interactive that involve water. So the first, uh, this is going to sound, you know, like I'm Captain Obvious, but the Interventions <laughs> Fountain, right, also called the Fountain of Nations, right in the center of Interventions Plaza. Many people they they walk, they take, may take a picture, they walk by it, or they'll turn around as they're coming from. Uh, World Showcase and take a picture with the fountain and Spaceship Earth behind it. But it's huge, right? It's 120 feet wide, 180 feet long. It's one of the largest fountains in Walt Disney World. 150,000 gallons of water is in there. It has a great sense of historical value to it. If you are a, an Epcot or a Walt Disney World history enthusiast, you know that when they were uh, opening Epcot Center, um, they had um, water poured in from 22 nations from around the world, really sort of making this a, a sort of cultural, having some su- cultural significance, um, which makes which is why they sort of make it the, the Fountain of Nations. So um, you have everything from water from uh, the Mississippi River to rivers from around the world and sort of connecting that to Epcot. But two, throughout the day, they have a number of water shows as well, too huge cascading water i love the music here it truly is like a water ballet if you've seen the fountains in front of the bellagio in las vegas it very much is akin to that was designed by the same person who did that as well too there's great music in here as well some disney some non-disney i get some weird questions sometimes people saying wait a minute that sounds like it was a yanni song well it there is a yanni song in there and it's one of my favorites it's called standing in motion but there's also music from rescuers down under Uh, Surprise in the Skies, that old uh, Daytime Lagoon show Mm -hmm. over in World Showcase. Uh, There was also a song for a proposed Epcot show called uh, Around the World with Mickey Mouse. I love the Rocketeer. John Tesh, yes, the Entertainment Tonight guy, has a song (laughs) in there called Day One. And there's also a song from Iron Will. And I do like when that is an unannounced sort of show that goes on, whether you're sitting outside getting ice cream, trading pins uh, in in the shadow of Spaceship Earth or just wandering uh, across the promenade there. I, I love what Interventions Fountain represents. I love sort of the show and it get like a nice little cool breeze when the uh, when the wind blows as well too. But there's other water areas as well that also afford some little hidden treasures and overlooked experiences. There are interactive water play areas by Mission Space and the Bridge to World Showcase. If your kids, or maybe you, Getting a little hot, need to expend a little extra energy. They've got that soft turf ground where little fountains come up, where kids can sort of run through and cool off a little bit as well, too.
1: And yeah, you're absolutely right. And the the Fountain Nation was on my list too. And uh, I love the show daily. You know, you see so many people trying to dodge the the you know blowing wind and the blowing mist. Uh, but the shows are so fantastic. The music's so fantastic. The Rocketeer is near and dear to my heart in that. Um, and you see these water cans just blasting up into the air. But thinking about the water, it also plays into another one I had, and it's the jumping fountains outside of imagination. Exactly. This is all part of—that was part of mine, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the those little—I can remember even as a kid trying to catch the water, and there are times where— there are places where you can obviously catch the water, and there are places where it's meant to, you know, have kids jumping up and down because they're never going to reach that stream that's going between two planters over the top of each other. Um, it's a nice place for parents to sit and relax. It just and the kinetic energy of this water, and I know a lot of people love the Imagination Fountain where the water is traveling back up over the waterfall, it's a big photo spot. Um, but for me, for Imagination with water, it's those, little, it's those little areas, just as you exit out of Captain EO at the top of the uh, second level, level of the pavilion out there, looking out over all of Future World, and it's just a great spot, and a great little fun play, place to play with some water.
0: And that's it. The, the operative word there, <clears throat> excuse me, for the jumping fountains is it, is it swan. I remember as a kid doing that, standing up or since I couldn't reach, having my dad hold me up to try and hit the water, splashing your brother, splashing your sister, whatever. But those upside down waterfalls, especially at night with the light, Mm -hmm. are beautiful. They're spectacular. There's some amazing Disney photographers out there online who share some photos that I could never (laughs) reproduce, (laughs) but try desperately to because with the – with that – pavilion behind it and the lights and the water and the monorail going overhead. Uh, it's a fun place. It's a beautiful place, like I said, especially at night, too. So those water elements to me are such a, an important part and sometimes little hidden treasures as well, too. Those jumping water fountains. Here you go. Let, here, I'm going to quick test. Where else in Walt Disney World can you find sort of jumping water like that? In what Walt Disney World attraction?
1: Oh, Thanks for the quick quiz. <laughs> it's very early when we're doing this. You it's very early
0: in the morning. We need more caffeine, <laughs> but in uh, Splash Mountain. It is, right? splash. Gonna say, yeah, frog, is Splash Mountain. I am going to say,
1: yeah, the frog, it's underneath when you're in the caverns and it's jumping over the, the cars, yeah. There you go. So, Guy, okay, what, uh, what is sort of the next
0: thing that you think of when you think of hidden treasures that maybe you like to show people or share with people?
1: I really like to show off, and this is the history you know, geek in me, where you can still find all the old Epcot Center icons. Nice. Where you can still see, you know, it right there behind the fountain where we just were. There's still the big Epcot Center, you know, uh, interlocking rings logo. There's, over in uh, Mission Space, you have not only inside the center of the Gravity Wheel in the queue the icon for Horizons. It's also hidden in the cashier's uh, stand in front in the shop for Mission Space. Um, over at the land, it's still on the side of the FastPass kiosks. whenever they're running. There's just a couple places where you can find these, and those are just – those are some of the areas that I'm drawn to be like, look, this is – you know, this is a 1981 icon. You know, this is – this is what this place looked like when we first opened.
0: Yeah, and I remember – and I think it kind of comes and goes up in the Living Seas if you go mm-hmm. upstairs to the manatee tank, all the way in the back, they've got
1: – it's either like a
0: uh, – like It's a, a crate. It's yeah, a crate or that has crate. the old yeah. Living
1: Seas logo. Yeah, and yeah, it does. It comes and goes. Like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. You got to be lucky to catch that one. Um, and th- I love that just- too.
0: And what I like too is we keep talking about this renewed sense of nostalgia. We're seeing those logos now on merchandise. You can go to mouse gear and sometimes find merchandise with those logos on it. And now with Epcot's 30th coming up, hopefully we'll see more of that as well.
1: Right, and you've seen it on the Vinyl Nations recently. They've had you know a figure with all the li- different circle icons on there, and it's definitely making it making a, a rebirth for it. And so I'm hoping that maybe we're going to get back to that kind of style of uh, of mapping. Of okay, you know each Pavilion has its own icon, and that's you know where you find X, Y, and Z activities. So keeping my fingers crossed.
0: I, I agree with you. I love those as well too. I, I like seeing the merchandise with it. Uh, my son, when I was cleaning out some crates in my garage last week saw my Epcot 25th anniversary figment who has the vest <clears throat> excuse me with all the logos on it he's like oh my god dad can I have them I'm like oh son listen let me explain this to you this is a collectible now this is officially a collectible so did you have a logo that was a favorite do you have one that sort of you can put on a shirt or put on a hat you would love to have
1: you know I I I really love Horizons and so that you know and you can still see it so I, I, I love it um, but for me it was probably If there was one, it was probably either World of Motion or Spaceship Earth. Just the the kinetic energy conveyed from both of them just were things to me that I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is definitely what the future is going to look like. And, you know, everything was going to have logos in the future like that, apparently, is what I thought as a child. (laughs) And we're also all going to be wearing silver spandex spacesuits.
0: With rainbows. With rainbows. (laughs) I pictured Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th century there from a second. But anyway, (laughs) I'm going to... um, to move on, I, I did have some of those logos, again, as part of, of uh, another thing that that I have sort of uh, grouped together. But when I think about things that I love showing to people and bringing people over to, especially kids, um, I, I keep going back to this term that we use, which is everything speaks, right? Michael Eisner said this about storytelling in the parks, that everything speaks, everything has a story behind it, whether it's a, a show, a shop, an attraction, a restaurant, whatever it may be. But I think there's also... Here in Future World, there's a literal interpretation of everything speaks as well, too, because you can find some things that literally do speak to you. And a couple things I love bringing people over to is, one, the talking trash can. I don't mean push in Tomorrowland, but push has sort of a, a distant cousin that not as, quite as mobile. But in the electric umbrella, so if you're walking through Future World coming from the parking lot past Spaceship Earth, on the left-hand side, if you go in that entrance there, before you get to the uh, counters where you order, and, the, and there's to the left there's restrooms, is a trash can. And I invite you to open up the trash, not open it, but throw something away. Throw away some trash. I don't want to tell you what it says because I, this is a case where I want you to seek it out. I want you to hear what it says. Uh, it is not necessarily a live interactive where he'll talk back and forth to you, but he will have some things That he'll say
1: He has some comments for you He definitely has
0: some comments And they're fun And they're fun And they're funny And they're totally corny And campy But that's You know Stand there I don't mean sort of Hang out outside the restrooms But stand near there And watch people As they throw things away And sort of look At their reactions because you don't expect it. There is no sign on that trash can. It's a normal trash can, just like the water fountains. So depending on where you go and get a drink of water in Epcot, you may be surprised as well because you might get a little witty comment as well. Now, I think there were three. I, I think, Ryan, sometimes these are turned on. They may not always be on all the time. Uh, one of them is past Spaceship Earth near Mouse Gear. One of them is in between imagination and interventions, uh, again near the restroom, and the third is near that play fountain, that, that interactive uh, water area I talked about before, in between Future World and World Showcase. And this is great too because, especially when you see a kid go over and they sort of jump back surprised and hearing the water fountain talk to them, it's a great, you know, it's a great moment for them and it's a great moment for the parents as well.
1: Yes, because then they start like literally looking all the way around the water fountain trying to figure out where this person is that they've heard the voice coming from Or watching um, but, parents try and talk back yes yeah like like, like hello hello I, I love I love seeing people try to engage uh, the the water fountains but you're right I think they're there' sometimes they're on sometimes they're not um, there' sometimes they're hit and miss because not every person who turns it on that it's gonna make it that it's gonna talk for um, but it, these are these are real fun little things to uh, to, to you know, Future world talks back. I almost you. did my worst Alan Funt candid
0: camera impression, but considering <laughs> candid camera, it's probably not going to mean a lot to people who aren't over the age of forty. Uh, we'll try, candid cameras funny in its day, but we can
1: probably do a candid camera with the talking water fountains. We're we're batting a thousand with candid camera <laughs> and uh, John Tesh and Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, the, Obscure the icons. Of, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're people are really we're we're, uh, we're totally twenty first century today.
0: Alright, so what, what is next? What's another hidden treasure that you like to point out or show people?
1: Alright, it is, it's something I like to show people, so I, and, and I tend to call it a backup in lines when I do this, but I, I love it so much, you know, because of it's been there forever. Is over in Universe of Energy, and it's just as you walk in. There's this gorgeous tile mosaic, and it looks kind of like abstract art. But what you're actually looking at is a uh, representation of the sun and the heat from the sun in these gorgeous little, you know, one-inch tiles and it's red and it's blue, and as you move further away, there's a blue tile that's a little bit further down, and it's a pinpoint on this on this blue tile, and that's supposed to be the Earth, and it represents not only the distance but the size of the Earth in comparison to the Sun, and it's just one of these great stories you know, of universe of energy that gets the ball rolling before you ever walk in the door, but somebody has to be there to kind of tell you and guide you through that story and. Uh, I I love sharing that and I love seeing people like trying to measure it with their arms and trying to figure out what you know the distance and I'm like yeah and it's just one of those moments I love and what I like about that too
0: is there is nothing explaining that to people and that while that may frustrate people when people it's one of those aha moments that when somebody Mm -hmm. does point it out to you you're like I get it I see it and it all makes sense to me now you can find that In so many places throughout Walt Disney World, whether it's the Grand Canyon fireplace at Wilderness Lodge or, okay, I'll even mention another one, over in the land pavilion, that mosaic outside that's meant to represent the different layers of the earth as you walk in, you look at it as a beautiful mosaic, but you don't understand the meaning until somebody points it out, and then all of a sudden you're able to sort of deconstruct it and see what it represents
1: yeah it truly comes alive in that moment and i love seeing that face when someone's kind of puzzling it and you tell and you've told them this and they're looking they're looking and it's just it's like a whole new world has opened for them and you know and that's to me almost the total symbology of future world is this aha moment this i get it i understand more of the world than i did before i started and and you can see that in these little areas like this
0: and uh, excuse me as long as i'm talking about that land pavilion mosaic i'll I'll mention another one and I, I grouped this into sort of tributes and jokes and homages and, and references. And yes, while that land pavilion mosaic, uh, there, there's dual mosaics on either side of that um, entrance way. They're 134 mm. feet long. Each is 150,000 individually cut and shaped pieces of marble and slate and glass and granite and gold to represent the layers of the earth that sort of leads into this great hall of the land pavilion and what is special and I think spectacular about these is not necessarily what it represents but that they are completely identical or at least they were they've they've been broken and changed over time so it's not necessarily a mirror image of each other but when it opened and for many 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 years they were exact duplicates of each other save for one single tile and the reason. what why that is or still is is because the mosaicists uh, this husband and wife team of Hans and Monica Scharf and you may know the name Hans Scharf from the mosaic of he uh, laid out the mosaic of Cinderella in the Cinderella Castle breezeway uh, when they created this mosaic uh, they didn't want them to well, first of all they couldn't sign their work much like they did mm-hmm. um, in the Cinderella Castle mosaic but to this idea of never creating the same thing twice. They want each one to be unique. What he did is he put in a single green tile that's a little out of place if you know where to find it, which I understand, I believe it's his wife's birthstone or it's the the month that they were married. He put that in there in order to make these two murals different. So uh, these murals themselves uh, tell a great story, it's a great piece of artistic work, and now that you've got that little extra hidden treasure in there, that's one of the things I love pointing out to people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I can remember one of uh, the first trips I took with a with my wife down there. We uh, I asked her to try to find I was like, the difference, you know, try to find it. And I had a good time eating a cupcake while she scoured those walls. Uh, <laughs> I was I was very mean in those days. It's, it's amazing she ever married me. But um, no, it, it those you know, anytime you have tile mosaics and tile murals in in any of the parks, it's, they captivate me. Like I will just sit there for hours and watch them. But making these things, you know, unique in their own way, and giving the artist their, you know, their signature, it's just extraordinary.
0: Yeah, and like I said, this is one of the things that I sort of put into this whole concept of small details, small references, small uh, homages. (laughs) Whether it's to, we know the story of. Oftentimes, you'll see a number on a pipe somewhere that may represent an imagineer's birthday or his daughter's birthday or his old phone number but you'll find and there's hundreds of them throughout future world one of the ones i love is if you're going as long as we're in the land if you're riding living with the land as you're going into uh that farm scene there's a mailbox that says r brown and that the address is 82 well that 82 represents the opening year of epcot you mentioned the Horizons logo in Mission Space. Uh, in Journey to Imagination, there's a ton if you if you sort of seek them out. There's references on one of the doors to Dean Finder, which obviously <laughs> is Dream Finder. The Medford College jacket from the absent-minded professor and the computer war tennis shoes. The red tennis sneakers that are there as well, too. One little spark reference. I mean, there's tons and tons, and, you know, you could... Uh, as you go through the attraction, you now have something else to seek out. Or when you see things, you try and connect what does it represent, what does it relate to.
1: Absolutely. You know, On the Test tracks Pillars, you had 97 for the year that it was open. It was WW-TT-97, which was Walt Disney World Test Track 97. Imagination is just filled with these things from the moment you walk through the door to the moment you exit the ride. Um, you have over in front of Mission Space You know this great planter that just looks like it's full of alien type of plants, but in actuality, it's you know, outlined like the building of Horizons, and unless you, you really knew Horizons well, you wouldn't really realize that that same kind of footprint there. Um, they're, every, they're in every corner of that park, and you just have to, you know, whether you know it or not, you're seeing these things, and yeah, it gives people who have been there before a, something new to look for on, the, on a trip.
0: Right, and you made a great point. You may walk by it a hundred times and never make the connection until somebody points it out to you
1: yeah it's it, it and it is it's amazing you know and it, and i I do love how some of these things have become common knowledge over the years, you know through websites through podcasts through all these things you know books people have gathered these bits and pieces of knowledge and they're starting to share it and starting to become a little bit more uh public knowledge and then there's always something new to try to find, and that's you know we're we're always looking for for the new little detail
0: yeah so um Guy, give me another one of yours because there's something else I want to talk about that kind of connects into one of the things that you you just mentioned as well.
1: Okay, let's see. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with, and this is this this is going to seem a little a little off, but we we love to talk about food. But I'm going to go with the seating at Sunshine at Sunshine Seasons, and I don't think many people realize that. There are four sections of seeding and they're broken up into the seasons. And if you look at the tables, they have snowflakes in the winter section. They have autumn leaves in the, in the fall section. You know, and you don't realize what season you're really eating in. But it's, it's just keeping that story going from you know, clearly you know, things are growing and things are, um, are being cultivated all year long. And you're enjoying that, at, you know, that the bounty of that harvest at your table and, you know, and in the different seasons. It's just, it's one of those little details that I really, really love. And it's kind of like, what season am I feeling like today when I eat? Well, and I think it's one of those
0: things that, like the Horizons planter, that you may not be able to recognize depending on where you are or maybe if you're coming by on the monorail. Your perspective as where you're looking at it from, it helps to determine what you're seeing. So mm-hmm. while you're in Sunshine Seasons, you may not get a sense of that. But if you're standing up top and looking down into that great hall and you're seeing the, looking at the balloons and looking down and seeing the different colors and how right. they're all broken up, that's a great way to to get a sense of what is being told and the story that's being told. Right. Uh, for me, you know, I, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that Horizons pavil- uh, planter. And this is another one that you need to sort of look at. You need to see the forest, not necessarily the trees, because I'm talking about the design of Future World as it is as a whole. I don't mean specific little details that you can walk up to, but the way it's laid out. We talk about everything speaking. We talk about everything telling a story, and you get a sense of that certainly in the Magic Kingdom or in Disney's Animal Kingdom or, or the sections of Disney's Hollywood Studios, but you may not have sort of looked at Future World from a broader perspective. East versus West. Uh, And when you're looking from Spaceship Earth, you know, it sort of is is kind of backwards. But if you're looking towards World Showcase, East and West are kind of backwards. So West Mm -hmm. is actually going to be on your right side. East is on the left. But the location of the pavilions and the design of those two sections was very deliberate uh, and definitely had a meaning behind it. So if you look at the West side, you'll see that everything is very... Free flowing, everything is meant to sort of represent imagination, creativity, nature, ideas. Everything from the design of the planters, right, of which there are mm-hmm. no straight lines anywhere. If you look at the waterways, they all sort of wind back and forth. The rocks in the in the water are all smooth rocks. There's no hard, jagged edges on the rocks. The buildings themselves. Look at the living seas. Look at how the living seas is very much. Uh, flowing. Imagination is all about these sort of creative concepts that are not exact, while on the east side, it's completely the opposite. You see in the planters, the buildings, even the landscape, even, even the horticultural design represents things that are more straight. There's exact corners because we're talking about exact sciences. We're talking about things like energy and space and measurements in test track. All these things that are have, you know, quantifiable amounts and numbers and things as opposed to the free-flowing designs of the opposite side. And when you sort of step back and look at it that way, all of a sudden it's, I get it, I, it makes sense. I see why they put these things where they are and how, I, you know, I sort I want you to sort of wander between Future World East and West and see if you can notice that. Look at things like the planters, look at just the way things are laid out and you'll see those two very clear distinctions.
1: This was actually something I was thinking about when you mentioned the water uh, earlier on because there is. There's no water in Future World East as opposed to West where there's massive amounts of water, massive waterways that you're walking over. And you're right. You go on to look at the plants. You have these big, winding, gnarly-looking oak trees that, that kind of hang over you in Future World West, whereas if you wander over to Future World East, it's you, you have these spiny plants. You have these very hard, straight bamboo stalks and bamboo forests. Um, it's it's all there, and it does, and it, and it goes down to the design of everything from why something was chosen to be in one side and as opposed to the other, you know. And you go back so far in the planning where you can realize that the seas was at one point going to be in Future World East, and when that that whole plan came out, they realized it fit much more with the natural sciences, the the more creative forces of Future World West.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and you know it makes sense like i said and when next time if you take the monorail into it's a good way to sort of really get Mm -hmm. that top-down overview of it
1: Mm -hmm. so god what's what's next on your list of hidden treasures oh goodness oh there's so many little things you know one of the things i love to do is um and this is going to sound silly, but there's so many different surfaces that you can catch reflections of Spaceship Earth in, and that, you know, you could see it everywhere in the parks, but sometimes you don't realize you're looking at it, and then you'll catch a, a reflection of it off of Mission Space, of off of the, you know, the red Mars globe, or you'll catch it off of the imagination pyramids, and it's just that that sense of... Continuing that whole story is all around you, and Spaceship Earth is that central dynamic to Future World, and it's always kind of there. You can always see it, whether it's a reflection or it's straight on. Um, But it's one of those pieces I love to, you know, when I see a new a new perspective on Spaceship Earth.
0: Yeah, and and that's really interesting because now you're looking at it in terms of not the object of self, but how you can see it. And again, we we talk about, uh, uh, you know, photographing when you walk to Mm -hmm. the parks and the opportunities especially is it changes from day to night and dusk you have some of those great opportunities for for photographs and literally reflections of earth can sometimes show up in in some beautiful pictures as well
1: yeah absolutely and it's it's one of those you know those moments when you can capture that or or you see something else you know you see the the way the water is playing or the clouds are playing off of the imagination pyramids or um all the different you know the, the way that Mission Space lights up at night. There's all these different reflections, all these different great ways to look at things. But um, yeah. So I'm going to sneak two
0: into one here uh, because I Uh want to talk about something that people pass by and probably never stop to look at and walk over and probably never stop to examine closely. And I think they're all, they're both very tied in very closely together. And it may sound silly for me to mention the Epcot Center dedication plaque Mm -hmm. which is just outside the entrance turnstiles. And it was uh, placed there when Epcot opened, and it reads, and I want to sort of read it to you because I want to connect it to something else. It says, to all who come to this place of joy, hope, and friendship, welcome. Epcot is inspired by Walt Disney's creative vision. Here, human achievements are celebrated through imagination, wonders of enterprise, and concepts of the future that promises new and exciting benefits for all. May Epcot Center remain, inform, and inspire, and above all, may instill a new sense of belief and pride in man's ability to shape a world that offers hope to people everywhere. And that was signed by E. Carden Walker. He was the CEO of Walt Disney Productions back in 1982. And so that idea of celebrating human achievement and the wonders of enterprise and concepts of the futures, I think ties into something that was not their opening day but was added in the late 90s, I think around '90 eight or so and it is on that east side as you walk through the breezeway uh through interventions towards the land pavilion if you look down you will see a series of concentric circles which you may not realize that have a number of individual smaller circles inside them which represents just what that dedication plaque is talking about mankind's greatest achievements from the invention of the wheel up until the modern day internet and beyond. And this is something called discoveries. A lot of people think that this is this represents the center of Walt Disney World, which it does not. Uh, again, that sort of geography of Walt Disney World changes a little bit. That's not what this is meant to represent. It's meant to represent the greatest scientific discoveries and the people that discovered them uh, going back through time. So you'll see these circles that have uh, quotations about innovation and discovery and the power of imagination and you'll also find quotes from a lot of people in a variety of different fields. Again, things that are represented in that free-flowing side of a future world to the more more exact science. So uh, physics, mathematics, biochemistry, education. So John Dewey uh, from the Dewey Decimal System, Thomas Edison, Sir Isaac Newton, Marie Curie. And you'll also not see the people but the things that were invented As well to these different breakthroughs in technology from prehistoric times to modern days. So from stone tools to the alphabet to the printing press to, you know, DNA and nuclear reactors and the Internet. This represents exactly what that dedication plaque is talking about. This power of imagination. So it actually is fitting where it is, too, because it does sort of sit in the shadow of the imagination pavilion, I love this. I love showing it to people, especially kids, because this Ryan and, and you, as an educator, know mm-hmm. the opportunity to educate kids in an environment like this is one that is wonderful and should be seized. Because I've done that. I've talked to my kids. I said, "Do you know who Thomas Edison is? Do you know what he invented?" And then all of a sudden, they became they become fascinated, and it resonates with them. And they grasp onto it because they're not because of the environment that they're learning it in.
1: Right? it's it's not like it's you know, and it does it has all the same information. Each of these little circles has you know the date, the invention, where it was, who it was. But it's not coming out of a textbook. And so they're on these people, they're exploring, you know, they're they're trying to see what names are where. and you know, and, and with adults,' it's something fun, you can be like, look, they' are the Phoenicians. You can thank them right now for the alphabet. <laughs> um, but but then you get things that, you know and it, does it and it radiates out from you know like the beginning of time out through the stone Age through the middle ages, through the twentieth century. Um, and and they're all pieced out and you have to go and you have to look and explore and and see you know, and you'll see some names a couple of different times in different places. And um, it's just it's it's an extraordinary tool for not only educating, but to absolutely tie together everything that is future world.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that I think very much is in plain sight, but is hidden because the way people just walk over or walk by it or. Don't
1: just know what it is or, or what it represents I agree I've caused more than one traffic jam there uh, either taking pictures of it or trying to show people different things and especially w- when I have a friend who's you know who's into medicine and I can be like well look you know here's you know penicillin here's pasteurization. All those different elements and you, you end up causing a traffic jam because it is right in the middle of that walkway And so everyone sees it, but I don't know how many people really take notice of it And it's, it's a shame because there's so much to be gleaned from it Right,
0: and I've actually heard people as they walk by say, oh look, look There's the sun in the center and all the planets around it because they give it a cursory <laughs> look you Yeah know, That's one of the times you want to go over and sort of help them without being that creepy guy without be, without be, Yeah, hurt. exactly
1: Right <laughs>
0: But I, I, I highly encourage people to seek this out and look at it a little closely to sort of get a better understanding and see actually how many of the names and quotes and things on there that you recognize. You might actually be surprised as to when some of these inventions actually took place too.
1: Right, you see some things and you thought, I thought that happened a lot later, but you know, technology takes time to catch up to the everyday person. So when you see that, you're like, wow, that's been around for quite a bit longer than I've thought. So, guy, okay, what uh, do you have? Anything else left? On I your do, list? I, and it's something that is not only under overlooked, but you totally ignore it entirely because it's hitting your, one of your other senses, and it's the music of Future World. You and I are—I ki- said we're kindred spirits. It's—we're not joking <laughs> when we say that. It's—I mean, you know—we talked about it earlier with the Fountain of Nations and uh, Interventions Fountain, but it's everywhere. You know, as you're walking, from the time you walk into that park. And the soundscapes that are created for each individual pavilion, um, you know, from the night and day kind of thing in the land to the very whimsical kind of music that plays over by uh, um, imagination, the the kind of comedy of errors you kind of get with Ellen's energy adventure now, there's, there's so much to the soundscapes of each individual pavilion that just takes you to that place. And, you know, there's nothing I like better. And there'll be plenty of days where I'll be sitting here writing, and I will put on the background loop from InnoVengeance Plaza mm-hmm. and just sit there and it just, it, and I'll write and it just keeps me very centered and, you know, and you can ignore it, but it's, it's part of that whole experience. I, I am totally with you. And this is one of the things I had saved for the end because I
0: think it is one of the things I, I enjoy most about Epcot is this atmosphere music and it changes, right? There's, it, it's changed over time and it changes yeah. by location and, from those that early Epcot 82 entrance Rock ballad, theme, kind yeah, of, that that early yeah. entrance theme, which we've heard come back, especially again with, with Epcot's 25th and with Epcot is that that we've just begun to dream, sort of very yeah. inspiring kind of music to the songs like I mentioned earlier from Interventions Plaza to those early those. The early Epcot 80s music, when you had sort of that feel the flow and magic journeys and and golden dream playing throughout even future world, has uh, mm. has sort of grown and changed. They've added some music as well too. but sitting one of my favorite things to do is sit outside by electric umbrella mm-hmm. and have some lunch or have a snack and listen, just enjoy the music of future world. Because there's a, a variety of different medleys and melodies and individual songs that play. When you get that water ballet coming from the, the Fountain of Nations, you get a whole different set uh, of music as well, too. And you're right. The fact that they pull some of these representative theme songs out from the pavilions and play them throughout Future World is great. Because they're very recognizable, especially to those of us who have been visiting Epcot Center for 30 plus years.
1: Absolutely. I can remember, you know, I can almost remember the trip where I realized that they had added the Soren music, that very airy, you know, brave, bold new world kind of theme out to the to the entrance melody. You know, so we were sitting out there at the ticket gate. You could hear it. But I've used imagination music, you know, that very oompa, you know, bubbly beat. I've used that in my classroom with preschoolers to do dancing. And, um, you know, it depends on what mood you're in. But there's so much music there. And I think it gets it really just gets gets you know, washed away in the in what you're seeing and what you're experiencing and what you're eating that you may not notice it, but it, it definitely helps set the scene. And go back to what we said before about the distinctions and the differences between
0: Future World East and West. Mm-hmm. See if you can, the, the music that you hear on both sides is different as well too. What you'll hear by, uh, you know, Mission Space or Test Track is going to be different than what you hear over by, the living seas or the seas with Nemo and friends see if you can sort of get that same sense of the difference is even the styles of music that are represented in the architecture as well too because they do they do very much connect and parallel one another
1: absolutely yeah you're talking about a test track you know it's very much of a mechanical sound and even to the point where you can almost hear engines firing. Whereas over towards the seas, it's much more fluid. It's much more natural, you know, melodies to it. So, yeah, it's it's all there if, you, if you're really paying attention to the story all around you.
0: Yeah, and so for me, I mean, that was really a, a big one. And there would just a, be a couple more that I would mention on the list. Uh, again, there are, there are things that uh, you don't necessarily look out, but when you find them or when they are thrust upon you, you really enjoy them. So, for example, at the end of Mission Space... When you go into that post-show area, before you get into the gift shop, right? Everybody, you know, the joke is that you're, you're always dumped into a gift shop. Well, here, you're, you're put out into an area where there are a lot of different things that you're going on. You mm-hmm. can send a postcard to home, a sort of a video postcard to home. You can play games. You can play interactive games with people who are playing online at home. There's also the low-tech play area for kids where they could expend some of that extra energy or if they're waiting for mom and dad and they're in that sort of uh, the area there before they're coming off of mission space they can go and play in there as well too. It's a combination low tech high tech interactive kind of thing which I like which is not necessarily something that people are seeking out when they go to Epcot. The thing that I meant when I said something is uh, kind of being thrust upon you. It's something like the jamiters. and I will admit, mm-hmm. Ryan, that the first probably one or two times I saw the Jammeters coming out, I'm like, this is so cool. They've got these custodial people. They're so talented. <laughs> Everybody here, all the cast members are so incredibly talented, and look at how they're sharing. But it's not. It's this percussion group that sort of comes out under the guise of being custodial, custodial engineers, um, but they use everything like common – Every day, trash cans and dust pans and hard hats and fly swatters and they do this eight to nine minute show usually around the uh, the four court area of mission space and test track on the future world uh, east side of um, uh, the east side of future world they do are they are in the times guide but I think for a lot of people their first exposure to them is not saying hey we need to go and look at the jammers it's they're walking by they're walking out and the jammers are playing they're fun. They're interactive. They're loud, and which is good because it brings it sort of. It's at, I, I use the term the audio audible weenie. You know, Walt used that mm-hmm. term of a weenie of you know mission space is a weenie, space mountain is a weenie. All these things are weenies. But when you hear something like that going on, you you see how it pulls and draws a crowd in around you, and the fact that it's fun, the fact that it's upbeat and very lively, very kinetic, uh, adds a nice sort of
1: unexpected surprise. Absolutely, and and there was a time when they weren't on the guides. They would just they were just kind of show up, and it it's it's this amalgamation of you know the musical kind of stomp theater with the percussion of like future core for those of us who remember future core. Um, but it's it really is great, and they they kind of t- change up what they're carrying with them depending on if it's flower and garden or if it's food and wine. Um, but they're just it's just this amazing sound and it's this amazing show that they put on. Uh, that just yeah they were that was one of those things that that was kind of you know hanging around my list. And uh, but you're right, I don't think people see it on the Times Guide and go we have to go see what this Jamiters thing is. It's they stumble upon it, and I don't care who you are, the first time you see them you'll realize what kind of a A a Real sound they have because they will there'll be a massive crowd of people watching them.
0: Yeah, and and Going back to what we said earlier This is something that changes around the holidays around flower and garden around food and wine Uh, You do have more of these kind of Their role changes and you see more of these kind of things uh, Like the jammers coming out during those special events as Mm -hmm. well So do you have uh, a final one that you want to make sure you hit or a favorite one?
1: Let's see if there's, you know, there was one little thing and uh, it just kind of fun for me, you know, so often we talk about the galleries at Disney Hollywood studios that reference all the different films, um, whether they're horror movie, you know, villains, or you have pieces of uh, Disney animation history, but in the imagination, just as you're walking in, there are a few pieces from Flubber uh, that, there's the little robot from Flubber that I really want, you know. I, I find it fun that there's there's like a piece of the studios inside of the Imagination Pavilion. So that was the one little piece I had. Uh, but And there are so many little things like that. But that I think will be like my, you know, the last dying piece. So, again, having many more on the list, but yet wanting
0: to also have people not sort of go through this list and try and check them off, but go out mm-hmm. and find more on their own. One of the things I thought about was, was a simple pleasure. And when I say hidden treasure, sometimes it's not something to do or see or interact with. But one that I kind of forgot about until relatively recently, and it's not always uh, open all the time, is, uh, believe it or not, that the second level of the Electric Umbrella restaurant inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago I was there. I wanted to sort of get out of the heat, just go to work a little bit. Uh, I brought my uh, my laptop with me. And sometimes when that second level of the electric umbrella is open, there's not a ton of seats up there. But if you get a spot by the window, it's a great place to look down on the breezeway uh, in between Future World East and the uh, the Interventions Plaza. Just sort of people watch, get out of the way, get out of the heat or the rain as it may be. And it's very quiet up there as well, too. Uh, it's not loud and, and as bustling as downstairs because you need to sort of walk upstairs to get to that area. But it's a little out of the way. Uh, place that's that a lot of people don't necessarily go to it's not open all the time. I love a lot of those little nooks and crannies in future world or in any of the parks where you can do just that where you can kind of escape work, be quiet, eat you know whatever it may be and the second level of, of electric umbrella when it's open is a great place to people watch and sort of get away from the crowds
1: I say and that just it, and that just sparked, you know one of my favorite spots is right there behind. Spaceship Earth as you're coming in or as you're leaving is that little planter that's right there I love that planter so much and it changes so much throughout the years and not even just because you know They have flower and garden event or Christmas event and they put up new planters for that But that the actual pattern actual floral pattern they put in there changes Regularly throughout the year and I love just watching and seeing what's new there when I'm whenever I'm there And as always Ryan, you know that there are things that we left off the list we
0: didn't talk about some other people's favorite I would love to hear from people who are listening I want them to weigh in I want to hear from them I want them to come to this week's show notes at wdwradio.com. click on this week's podcast in the comment section tell us what is your favorite hidden treasure in Future World in Epcot Center it could be a place to sit it could be something to see something to interact with Something that is just overlooked. Whatever it may be, what do you consider a hidden treasure and what is your favorite? Share it with us. We would love to hear it. If it's something that we mentioned, go ahead and help sort of validate one of our entries. If you think that we're crazy, you can go and comment there too. I also want you to go to Main Street Gazette. I'll put the link in the show notes. That is Ryan Wilson's website. Ryan blogs every day about everything Walt Disney World from history to overlooked experiences like this and so, so much more. Ryan, I love having you on the show. We've got a lot more to cover. We're gonna talk some more about epcot's 30th anniversary coming up and uh always enjoy uh sort of virtually exploring exploring and hopefully enhancing the experience of those who are listening as well
1: that's the goal is to enhance everyone's experience and it's always a pleasure to be here thanks buddy not a problem
0: It's time again for the Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I ask you about some Disney details or history or trivia, maybe play a sound clip or a random line from an attraction, ask you to identify it for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back to last week, review the question and the answer, and select our winner. So as you know, last week we talked about Destination D and some of the fun that we had there, including and especially the evening concerts from Dick Van Dyke and Alan Menken. And I talked about how the scope and the breadth of Alan Menken's work is immense. And it goes beyond Broadway and Disney animated films that he's so well known for. And I said that in addition to creating a song for Disney theme park out in Japan, he actually wrote a song for a recent live action Disney film. And I asked you, what was the name of the movie that Alan Menken provided a single original song for? And the hint I gave you was that he didn't score the entire film just created this one song for it. And believe it or not, you may not know that the answer is Captain America. Because if you remember the movie and if you haven't seen it, you should see it. He is the first Avenger. Steve Rogers wants desperately to join the fight and help in the World War II effort but after he is given these incredible powers, the powers that be feel that his role would best be served helping to boost morale and he's traveling across the country singing and dancing to this patriotic march called the Star Spangled Man. And that was written by Alan Menken, and he talked about how he wanted to be sort of in an Irving Berlin style of a this is the Army Mr. Jones or God Bless America, really patriotic, authentic to the 40s, USO-type experience. So the answer we were looking for was Captain America. So many of you entered. Thank you and congratulations to all of you who got it right. You were playing for a set of audio walking tours. WDW Radio luggage tag, button, pin, and some Destination D items I brought back from California. And this week's winner is Jenna Lewis. So Jenna, congratulations. Please send me your address and information. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you didn't win, that's okay, because here is this week's Walt Disney World trivia question of the week. And so this week we're talking about Epcot and sort of a sense of nostalgia with the 30th coming up. And so I thought we would maybe go back in time. And if you remember, Interventions was originally known as CommuniCore and featured a number of different hands-on exhibits and information centers and some small attractions, many of which complemented or extended the experiences you had in the different Future World pavilions. So at one of the exhibits, there was a small purple and chrome robot. He sat on a rotating pedestal and actually played sort of a a question-and-answer game with guests using some very basic speech recognition. So your question for this week is, what was the name of that robot? You have until Sunday, August 26th at 11.59 p.m. to get your answer in to contest at wdwradio.com. You can email your answer there with the name of that small robot. Again, you'll be playing for a package that includes audio tours, a luggage tag, a button... And how about I also throw in a Sherman Brothers songbook CD with 59 of the Sherman Brothers' greatest hits uh, with with the cruise coming up and Richard Sherman joining us. That'll be fun and appropriate to give away a a Sherman Brothers CD as well. So there you go. There's your question about the Purple Robot. Again, Sunday, August 26th, 11.59 p.m. to contest at wdwradio.com. Good luck and have fun. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. A couple of quick reminders before we end. Don't forget that in addition to the podcast, come by every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDWRadioLive.com. It is a live video broadcast and chat where we talk about this week's Walt Disney World news in an interactive format. You can watch as I normally broadcast from Walt Disney World ask and answer questions and talk with other Disney fans in the chat room. Normally we stay on for a couple of hours after and just sort of chat and hang out as well. Again, Wednesday, 7.30, WDW Radio live.com. Be sure and follow me also on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. and subscribe to my profile on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. Speaking of social media and the blog, which I was getting to, don't forget to check the WDW Radio blog every day. We have lots of new content, including a new Pinterest contest called Pinspiring Disney. So I'd ask you to first, please come over to Pinterest.com slash Lou Follow me there. I've got a lot of Disney, Walt Disney World, tech, geek stuff there as well too. I also play some games and contests there as well too. And on the WDWRadio.com blog, we're also going to be starting a new Pinterest contest every month. And our first one, we're going to ask you to create a Disney-inspired bank or coin jar to collect that change that you're saving to use on or for your next Disney vacation. The sky's the limit. Kids can join. Adults can play as well, too. Contest entries are due August 31st. Again, check the show notes and the blog over at WDWRadio.com. If you want to be part of the show, you know I love hearing from you. Call the voicemail, 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Question, comment just saying hi from the parks, whatever it may be, or email me at lou at wdwradio.com if you have a question. Don't forget, too, our next Meet of the Month is going to be this Sunday, August 26th at Roaring Fork Snacks at Disney Wilderness Lodge. We can hang out, meet, eat, maybe tour, uh, and explore the lodge as well, too. That's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can find out more about that as well as other events on the events page at wdwradio.com, including our e-ticket event that is almost sold out for Friday, September 28th, tickets are on sale on the events page. Also stay tuned and we will have a new video coming out on the blog about the e-ticket event as well too. Also, if you are a blogger or a podcaster or looking to start your own blogger or podcast or use social and new media, I'm going to be the keynote speaker this year at the Central Florida Blogger and Social Media Conference on Saturday, September 15th at the Orlando Science Center. It is the second annual gathering and a really sort of organic movement where they highlights are the best of the best and local bloggers and social media professionals come in to help one another, uh, making it a very unique, very strong conference. There's a lot of great sessions this year. Really looking forward to speaking and sharing and learning and meeting so many other people as well too. I'll put a link in this week's show notes to the video I did as well as the Central Florida Blogger Conference page as well as my speaking page over at LouMangello.com. You can find out some of the other uh, presentations I've given in the past, some other things I have coming up in the future as well. And if you are going to be attending the conference this year, send me an email to Lou at www.radio.com or send me a message on Twitter at LouMangello. Love to know that you're coming. Look forward to meeting you there. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, mousefantravel.com, my official recommended travel provider. Look, if you're going to Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line Vacation, anywhere you want to go, Becky and her team can certainly help you out there. All-Star Vacation Homes has more than 150 townhouses, up to eight bedroom homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. Bring the whole clan down. You get your own private pool, spa, game room, multiple master bedrooms, and lots more. If you want to get some Disney magic delivered right to your door every other month, celebrations magazine over at celebrationspress.com. There you can subscribe, order back issues, and now get the digital version right on your iPad, including all the sold out back issues are available there as well. You'll find links to that right in this week's show notes. And finally, don't forget about the Disney Food Blog special offer on their DFB Guide to Walt Disney World Dining 20% off and satisfaction guaranteed money back offer over at dfbguide.com. There's planning worksheets, detailed information, tips, scavenger hunts, dining itineraries, and lots more. Also check out, they have the new Food and Wine Guide, which is just released. Perfect time for the Epcot Food and Wine Festival coming out soon. You're going to find links to all these on the site and in this week's show notes. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, if you like the show, all I ask from you is that you please help spread the word Let others know about the show on the site. Tweet out that you're listening. Share out links on Facebook or Pinterest or Google Plus or your favorite discussion forums. And please come by, rate and review the show over at iTunes. Very, very much appreciated there. And finally, and most importantly, I want you to make sure that you use every moment of each and every day to take small steps and get little wins in pursuit of your dreams and your passion and do something that you love each and every day. I promise you'll be much happier and live a much more positive life. And as Walt said, always keep moving forward. So until next time, thank you all so very much for listening. Let me share my passion for Disney with you. So until next time, see ya. Hi, this is Billy Lada from Asuchin, New Jersey. I'm calling in because I am currently in Florida. I just arrived this morning, and I am on my way to the Animal Kingdom Villas uh, for my first time staying there. I'll be staying there for one night before I wake up uh, tomorrow morning and move into the apartment complexes with the Disney College program. Uh, I'm super excited. I'm looking forward to it. Over the past three weeks, I've driven about 2,500 miles, so a little time spent in the car, but that's plenty of time to listen to Walt Disney World Radio on my... Uh, I've I a few other podcasts that I really enjoy. All I guess I wanted to say was uh, thank you for allowing us to share our Disney enthusiasm with you uh, by being able to call in, and thank you for sharing your passion with us. I hope everything's
1: well. Take care, Lou. You've got a friend in me.
0: Yeah.